So let's just try for talking for a little bit. Penis, 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 penis. Am, am I doing it right? Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. And this is Neil Daigle-Oriens. And uh, we're we're back for another episode of the Bearded Fruit Podcast. Hooray! After many months of not... I don't know what you're talking about. That was like yesterday. It was October. Oh. Um, so we are back doing the podcast, and we're doing the podcast together. And today we're going to be talking about three queer things. Just Yay. stuff that's happening in the queer world. Um, pop culture and other things. So the first thing we're going to chat about, of course, is incredibly important, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8 I announcement. I don't think there's anything more important in the world right now. Not a thing. I'm um, sorry, North Korea. After a very long wait, we are finally uh, possessing the knowledge of who the queens are for Season 8, and that's a very exciting season because this is the 100th queen mm-hmm. on the program. Uh, and uh, the season will start in March, so uh, we thought we would talk a little bit about our thoughts <laughs> and feelings about the various queens. A definite emphasis on feelings, because we're all about feelings at Bearded Fruit. So, I just, I'm so happy that Bob the Drag Queen is on season eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob the Drag Queen is fierce and amazing and wonderful and... Yeah, it's 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 a, it'll be really interesting to see what she uh, what she does. She already has like a really solid social media presence, so if she is top three, there's pretty much no question whether or not she goes far, uh, whether or not she wins, um, just because she's already she's already got that um, presence. Um, like I, I see that video of her um, doing the uh, how to get away with murder thing Viola on Tumblr. Davis. I see that like every week, at least once a week, it pops up. It's good for her, it's good for Viola Davis, it's good for Pop-Tarts. It's, oh, wow. That's why we've been eating so many Pop-Tarts That's lately. That's why we've been That explains so everything. And um, I'm also very excited that Kim Chi is uh-huh. in the competition. I called she that is... one. I have been following both Kim Chi and Bob on Instagram for a while, and she totally just disappeared for three weeks. So I called that. I will pull that hipster card any day that I followed Kim Chi before she was on Drag Race. And it's a, to me, it's a very interesting season because it there are no big girls in the competition. No big girls, but it's very season. racially diverse. It's very racially, which is diverse. interesting. Um, and like, it seems like the forerunners are all queens of color. Queens of color. <laughs> that's that's On a, next week. Yeah, next week, queens of color. But I also feel like it's um, there's something more exciting about the queens on this season than mm-hmm. last season. I don't. Mm-hmm remember feeling the same kind of excitement about getting to know some of these performers that I did last year. Yeah, yeah, like, um, the, the only real queen from last season that I was really super interested in was Max, before, before the season, then of course, like, um, I fell in love with Katya, um, but, yeah, like, Max was the only queen that I saw that I was like, oh, that's interesting, gray hair everywhere, and she was also, like, 22 when they filmed that, but yeah, this season there are a, a few that, um, really ring out, uh, Kimchi, Bob the Drag Queen, but also, like, Dax! Exclamation Point. Thorgy Thor. Um, Thorgy Thor. Derek Belli. I mean... Haha, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's made that joke yet, right? Derek Barry. Derek Barry. Oh, God, he has a last... He has a B last name. Oh, man. Yeah, it certainly feels like there will be heartbreaking eliminations uh, earlier mm-hmm. than others. 
What do you think of the um, 50s style promo that they decided to do? I love the 50s really? style promo. Yeah, I do. I thought some of the some of the lines that weren't RuPaul's that were the other queens were really like forced and not good. But visually I thought it was really interesting because it took all of the queens out of what they normally do and so we're going to Don't learn. Don't they normally do that though? Like they normally Yeah, but but like, this is even like farther for everybody. We're not really going to get to know their individual styles until we actually get to the show, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Do you think Matthew Anderson painted all of those faces? I think Photoshop painted all of those faces. <laughs> Photoshop by Matthew Anderson. So we will go down the list of the drag queens on okay. season eight and um, our kind of our quick take on each of those Yay. drag queens. Yes. Uh, alphabetically, Acid Betty. Mm-hmm. She's really going with the alphabet with that, because A, B, like, she's really pushing for that. She's living for the alphabet. She's living for the So, Acid Betty. I don't know. I I feel like Acid Betty might be one of those... She, it could go either way with me, whether or not she's a filler queen, or um, if she actually goes somewhere. Um, I feel like she's going to be one of those mid-season queens Yeah, she might well. be a milk. She might be a milk. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a milf, but probably a milk. Bob... The drag queen. Bob the drag queen. Can she turn it? Crown it. I I feel like she's going to go incredibly far. What you folks at home couldn't see is Cody taking his hands and (laughs) doing the gesture of crowning. See, this is an audio podcast. People aren't very visual with those things, Mm. especially when you don't give them a clue. Doesn't matter. I crowned it. Pretend you're talking to blind people. I crowned it. Okay. I think Bob the drag queen is going to go incredibly far. Obviously. Um, And... Just my what I really love about Bob the Drag Queen, and uh, you can you can see it in the per, like the YouTube performances, crazy, and the the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. Um, she's mm-hmm. not only incredibly funny and fierce, but she's also incredibly smart and is doing really interesting things performance wise. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. she's got all the qualities to come in her, and just slay it. Her spoken word splicing in her in her songs. Um, She's really. Fu- she did. I'm not sure if you saw this on YouTube like two days ago. Not to date the episode, but she did a how to put a condom on tutorial with a porn star, and it wasn't edited at all. Like you saw full on eight inch uncut dong, um, and like <laughs> I watched it and went oh, and then eight hours later I saw it was still up. So yeah, <laughs> if you want, she's also got the funniest Super Bowl vine that I've seen. I haven't, I haven't seen that It's yet. fierce. We'll link to it on the site because it's everything. Okay, next. Chi-Chi Devane, our Shreveport queen. I, I'm going to just props for a Louisiana queen finally making it on the show, uh-huh. but I understand why it's taken eight seasons for a Louisiana queen to make it on the show. Ooh, Talk about some shade. Cajun, Cajun shade. Cajun shade. I feel like she will have to really pull out some major personality and surprising talent. To... I'm just going to throw this out there. When Googling her to get like better images of her, uh, halfway down the page I start seeing kimchi. <laughs> so that shows me how relevant she is. I mean, good for you getting on the season. I mean, somebody's got to be on it. Cynthia Lee Fontaine. Now, she is a, one of the Puerto Rican queens representing Puerto Rico this mm-hmm. season. Um, she's really beautiful. And her Meet the Queens interview was actually really sort of funny and fun. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that she kind of gives me a little bit of a Jocelyn Fox mm. vibe. She, so maybe she'll be the black horse of the... <laughs> she looks kind of like a pretty candy hoe. 
shade. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Hashtag shade. A little bit. But like, like she really Hashtag like, the library is open. She looks like a soft candy hoe. A soft candy soft hoe. Soft candy hoe. Like a taffy. Like a taffy. A taffy hoe. A taffy that's like been in your mouth for a little bit, so it's like warm and like kind of slippery. Derek Barry. Now he's the Britney Spears impersonator. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I really hope he does someone else for Snatch Game. Um, only because we've already seen a really, really good Britney through Tatiana. Like, Brit- Tatiana's Britney was really funny, especially given the fact that season two there was no context for what the Snatch Game runs. So, like, she did that blind and it was just amazing. Because we, we know that she looks like Britney. Can she sound like Britney and make her funny? I think what's. Probably the bigger challenge for Derek Barry will be the same thing that uh, like Carmen Carrera and Courtney Act have gotten is uh, stop relying on that body. That is mm. she going to just be a really fishy, really gorgeous queen, mm-hmm. or does she have a lot of other things to offer? Mm-hmm. Which is funny in Courtney Act's uh, part because like she did have other things to offer and she still got critiqued for that. So sometimes those other things just aren't good enough. Kim Chi. Kim Chi. Mm. I think she's going to go really far. Yeah, well, she's our, um, she and Bob, I've already seen, are um, booked for DragCon. So that pretty much, so that pretty much means that she's, like, going to go far. Like, they, they don't do that kind of stuff unless they go far, or unless they already have, like, a really solid following, which Kim Chi does. She has a really high, um, fan base already. <laughs> uh, Lila McQueen. I, Who? <laughs> I feel like that might be enough. <laughs> Naomi Smalls, she is kind of gorgeous. She gives me the Lanesha Sparks vibe. Mm. Um, she's really, really beautiful. Um, I, I don't know that she has quite the personality to kind of knock some of these other big performers out, but she is quite gorgeous, and I'm hoping that she serves some like really serious looks. Nisha Lopez from Chicago. Na- I think Nasha was pretty. She was pretty forgettable. Yeah, I don't me. really have quite a quite a bead on her. Even if, mm-hmm. after watching her Meet the Queens interview, I don't really mm-hmm. kind of know what she is about. Nasha Lopez, more like Felicia Lopez. Am I right, fellow gays? Moving on, Robbie Turner. Pregnant pause. Pregnant pause. <laughs> Robbie Turner. What's up with all these queens having like dudish names? You got Bob, you got Derek, you got Robbie. Let's not be misogynistic. I said dude-ish. Um, I'm interested to see what Robbie Turner's all about. Um, oh, Seattle Queen. From Seattle Queen, so I expect it's going to be kind of weird and funny and mm-hmm. uh, on the camp side. Plot twist, total pageant girl. Total pageant girl. <laughs> I've seen her looks. I don't think that's the case. Hmm? And um, last, but definitely not least, Thorgy Thor. Um, just, from Brooklyn. Well, throwing this out there, there are a lot of New York queens on this list. Yeah. And there are a handful of Chicago queens as well, so that's interesting. Um, I think Thorgy Thor is going to be a formidable force. Mm-hmm. She's pretty incredible. And, and she can play cello. And she can play cello. And she can play cello. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does. I think she's going to go far. Word. So, like, before even seeing an episode, top three... Before seeing an episode top three. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bob the Drag Queen, Kim Chi, Thorgy Thor. Those are my three that I'm rooting thanks, for. Thanks for answering the question that you posed to me before I had a chance to answer the question. Uh, definitely Bob the Drag Queen. I don't know if Kim Chi is a top three, only because 
I haven't seen her perform. She can beat a face and she can make a look, but can she perform? And who knows, maybe maybe this season they'll focus a lot more on fashion like they did season three, so then maybe Bob will be out of the race as, as a result of that. Obviously, Bob. I really do like Thorgy. I like what she does. And I kind of want to see Dax. I kind of want to see Dax exclamation point. Uh, or, or, or Acid Betty, one of those like really out there queens. So in another queer thing, um, this isn't this week, but but earlier this month, um, The Advocate released a list of their queerest cities in America, the 2016 list. Uh, and topping the list is our new hometown, Hartford, Connecticut. We put the heart in Hartford. Um, and the list is a, is a really strange list of cities, cities that you would not expect to be considered the queerest cities in America. And so, after reading the article about the list of the cities, I went to look at the criteria. Here's how The Advocate decided for the criteria for the queerest cities in America. Uh, There are ten criteria that they were judged on. The number of LGBT film fests. Non-discrimination protections in adoption. That's great. Chapter of the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce. That's good. Openly queer mayor. Great. work. Uh, Gay bookstores. Okay. Super. LGBT sites in the National Register. Oh. One point for each. Okay. And then things get freaky. Uh, Musical tours. One point for each tour of Janet Jackson, Ariana Grande, Carly Rae Jepsen, or Madonna. Mm. One point for each Soul Cycle Workout Studio, Barry's Boot Camp Studio, or a Sean T. Beachbody event. Before you go on, I've never heard of any of those things. I think if you look at our pictures, you kind of know why. (laughs) Um, What are you saying? Places with landmarks that went rainbow for marriage equality. One point for each location. So if they put some colored lights on a building, mm-hmm. or your city is queer. Or if they accidentally still had their Christmas lights out, that counts. And my favorite, um, the number of Scream Queens or American Horror Story viewing parties. So these are the criteria for whether or not a city is the queerest city in America. So today we learned that The Advocate doesn't actually hire statisticians. Um, They don't actually hire researchers. But more problematic to me and more concerning to me is that the the notion of what a queer city is, according to The Advocate, which is this magazine that is supposed to be this document of record for the LGBT community, that queerness in a city is... Basically just stuff white gay men like to do on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, to be fair, we're not really talking about... Historical relevance within the movement. How a queer community is embraced or treated by the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. What what are the conditions for um, LGBT youth? Um, What... How are trans people and... um, Gender fluid or gender queer people treated in this community? How are people of color, queer like, people of color, treated if, in the community? If you're really looking at queer cities, you need to look at like, okay, what what cities have ordinances and places where city buildings require gender neutral bathrooms, or what what kind of what kind of cities have in their employment documentation allow you to choose a gender other than male or female? That's what you should really be looking at those kinds of things, and not just like like and. Ariana Grande, like, <laughs> I know, I know you get a modest amount of life from Carly Rae Jepsen. I get a serious amount of life from yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen, like, um, but I certainly don't feel like my listening to Carly Rae Jepsen's album a thousand times makes me particularly a queer advocate. Mm-hmm. And also, like, 
Those things specifically are looking at population. Janet Jackson isn't going to come to Bismarck, North Dakota. Places with large enough populations or large enough surrounding populations are just advantage in that. So it's a pointless, it, like from a statistical standpoint, it's a pointless, pointless thing to think about. I'm just surprised that something like um, Amount of Gay Bars isn't even on here. Because like, even that has some sort of historical quality to it. Well, and you know, granted, nobody is taking the advocates queer city in America survey seriously as a document of, of where we stand as a community. But nobody who should be taken seriously right. to begin with is taking those seriously. Yes. But it does, I think, makes an interesting point about how we still see the queer experience as sort of being strictly for gay white men who have ex- disposable income. Mm-hmm. Because that's really who we're talking about here. And that's, you know, if you're going to get to go to a Shanti Beachbody event and can go see Madonna in concert, you're certainly not some queer homeless kid who's been kicked out of their house and is trying to find a place to sleep for the night. Okay, but is that before or after the Scream Queens Marathon? You are the worst. No, I'm not. I'm the best. What are the other cities? Um, the other cities uh, in the countdown... 15 is Berkeley. Berkeley is city number Berkeley, 15. California. Berkeley, California is city number 15. Um, Manchester, New Hampshire. Waterbury, Connecticut. Which, let me tell you, if you have never been to Waterbury, Connecticut, good on you. Um, <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. Rochester, New York. I mean, granted, Rochester has given us Miss Kasha Davis, Darien Lake, and Pandora Box, so maybe they should have been disqualified. And they can keep them. Boulder, Colorado, Edison, New Jersey, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt- wait, 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 no, 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 Lies. Liza Minnelli lies. Salt Lake City, where people have literally been kicked out of parks for kissing their same-sex partner. But you can go see Madonna. Um, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., New Haven, Connecticut, St. Louis, Missouri, Cambridge, Massachusetts, Inglewood, California, and as I said, Hartford is the number one city. And, you know, as someone who works in downtown Hartford, and I would never consider Hartford to be the queerest city in America. Not that gays are getting bashed on the street corners every day, but the amount of things that are available for queer people, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of services and opportunities and, you know, giving queer people a real place in the community. Mm -hmm. Well, and, like, I always have that conversation with people who are from Connecticut. They... It's not as progressive here as people like to think it is. It's a very different kind of oppression that exists in in the Northeast. Um, It may not necessarily be as open as being called a faggot when you're walking down the street, but it's really not that far from it because it's other things. It's... Um, it's it's simpler things. Um, I can't believe New Haven's on this list either. Like, girl, get a grip, advocate writer. Somebody needs to be fired. <laughs> well, but it, but it, I think it speaks to the lens, the lens through which we look at gay experience. We think queer. They're calling queer white men. Honestly, we're mm-hmm. still privileging white men in in this community and like those mm-hmm. those voices the, those folks who have the most money and those voice, people who have the most privilege and the most room to speak are the ones who are defining the conversation for mm-hmm. for the rest of our queer community that we're really leaving behind in a lot of ways um so and then so the third thing the third of our three queer things the last thing to chat about today this is um last but definitely not not least, least. Uh, this is february so it's um black history month and we thought that we would share a couple of black queer artists that, if you don't know about, you should 
check out. There's definitely nothing more appropriate than two white guys on the internet talking about black artists. Hey, it's something. Representation matters. It matters. Um, So I would love to put forth my black queer artist you need to go check out, Shamir, who is uh, a pop singer, songwriter. Person. Pop person. He's a pop person. Um, Put that on my resume. I'm a Shamir has an album, uh, I think it was last year, released an album called Ratchet, and uh, it has some of the most fierce pop tracks that uh, are out there right now. And he's really exciting to me because he is sort of the same. He's this sort of androgynous, um, femme-embracing artist as well. So he's not trying to put on some sort of like queer pose and he's... The album is just absolutely fantastic and completely worth knowing. If you don't know the album, you should definitely check it out. If we want to get super analytical, um, there's something really interesting aesthetically speaking about the way he delivers um, rap in his music. Um, Specifically on the regular, um, the actual way that the vocalizations come out, there's something that isn't aggressive, yet the lyrics are very similar to that of a hip-hop song. He's saying that he's the best, and he's saying that he's like the greatest, and he's amazing, and that's what he is on the regular, so you know. Um, so like lyrically, thematically, um, it's very similar to hip hop. Yet the the um, delivery of of the lyrics are very casual, almost in nature. Um, so like to a certain extent, you could argue like Shamir is queering the form of rap. Um, I like that. Which of course you do. Which I think is like it, it's it's why I keep like coming to that video and coming to listen to that. Even his uh, um, uh, Call It Off is a really great music video as well because it involves Muppets. The way where he's just singing and it's just like that and then suddenly the chorus hits and he's like just falsetto way up there out of nowhere. Like no build up, it just happens. Um, it's it's almost like, like a queering of that kind of song. So, yeah. And on the album, there's a song called Demon which I play constantly over and over on repeat. It's a fabulous sort of queer... Ballad, self hate and empowerment all together. It's kind of wonderful. So, check it out. Shamir Ratchet. Cool. Listen to it over and over again. So then, um, being boring in the way that I am, the artist I would like to talk about um, that you should fall in love with, the black queer artist you should fall in love with is um, Glenn Ligon. Um, I first saw his work in Nebraska, um, and I was immediately struck by what he was saying. Uh, Glenn Ligon tends to talk mostly about race in his work and his identity. He also does explore his sexuality um, and how that intersects with his uh, identity as a black male and how the two conflict. Um, But the first works of his that I saw were these lithographs that he produced where he took the language from runaway slave ads and edited them to more explicitly describe himself. Uh, The story goes that he was reading, researching one day and, and was reading this uh, ad for um, this person trying to find the runaway slave, and he realized that it sounded like him. So he took some illustrations and paired them with this text that he um, semi-fabricated, mostly appropriated. And it's it's really interesting and powerful work because it directly ties the contemporary black experience to slavery. And then uh, another, uh, one, one of his more um, powerful works as well, are a series of paintings he does where he takes coloring page books of black figures, mainly um, mainly uh, Malcolm X, gives them to children and has them draw on it, and then he makes large scale paintings of those. So you get like Malcolm X with like weird pink lips and stuff like that. And it's kind of funny, but also kind of like this is what 
children see. There's one where it looks like Malcolm X is in blackface. That's like really hard to look at. And then he has a whole series of textually based neon sculptures that are super interesting to look at. Um, even the usage of neon is interesting. How sometimes he'll black out the front so the glow comes from behind it on the wall and it's not actually glowing directly at you, but you can still read it because of that glow. Well, we'll what we'll do is we'll link uh, to all the stuff that we kind of talked about on the website so you can go there and check out his work and Shamir and some of the performances of the queens that we talked about and we'll link to the Advocate article so that you can get really ticked off about that. So just um, keep a Shamir song in the background while you think about slavery and get sad. I re- on the regular is what I would recommend because that makes you feel better about anything. Even slavery. Even sl- do we, is that going to make it? Can we know. say that? <laughs> it's the internet, but can we say that? Thank you for listening to the Bearded Fruit Podcast. To find out more about Bearded Fruit, find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit or visit us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com.